everyone. Welcome to a new episode of So Here's What Happened. And this is the podcast where I, your host, Carolyn Hines, and my friend, Denisha Campbell, talk about all things nerdy, film, TV, books, mega cartoons, all of that good stuff from a Black nerdy girl perspective. And this is our second episode for 2023. Our first episode will be um, published for February because we took a bit of a break. Yes. But you can go back and listen to the episode. We talked about a lot of things. And in this episode, we're going to talk about shows like Beef and Swarm and films like Creed 3. But before we get into all of that, Lenisha is going to do our little disclaimer for being a part of the But Why Don't That. I prefer to do it because she does it so much better than oh. I We'll do that and then we'll get into her first recommendation, which is a manga. Okay. So here's what happened is a proud member of the Bawaido podcast community. Hey. There. I feel like I could do ASMR with that voice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll kick things off with what I've been reading. So actually, it's a web- webtoon. Um, it is called Senorita Cameta. And brief summary is this it's in a crime ridden city. Two mafias dictate the law while the rest of the citizens still place their hopes in the police. Alex will not wait for the indifferent system to deliver justice. Feeling ignored and powerless over the disappearance of her best friend, Alex decides to take justice in her own hands by becoming the phantom thief, Cometa, <laughs> and uncovering a net of corruption and crime that goes deeper than she ever imagined. Will Alex be able to find Lola before it's too late? find out go to webtoon <laughs> read more uh but no seriously i really like this it's like the creator they um and they go by archan it's a-r-e-c-a-n a-r-e-c-h-a-n sorry hmm. um but yes archan so they've done other work i'm familiar with their work with luff it's a rope that was a romance and they also have another series that's um Faust. So, but this one's a bit, uh, I wouldn't say it's a mix of both, whereas Kometa is very much inspired by Gentleman Thieves, um, like Lupin the Third. There's themes that's drawn directly from that those kind of character types. And I really like it because it's not that we haven't seen more female characters in that position, but it's nice to see a woman of color in this like and and this character type and honestly i love the art it's very colorful it's very playful the characters are very expressive and it's like it it sinks you like it sucks you in in like the first chapter because you're curious about like okay there's a heist and this girl who you'll see is the who who is alex and who becomes senorita cometa she's very clever she's very quick on her feet but this is just the stuff I love about webtoons because I feel like it gives the opportunity to tell very original stories while also taking inspiration from other themes. And I think this is a prime example of that. So if y'all are just looking for something fresh, something that has heist in it, um, a gentleman, a gentleman thief character type, mm-hmm. um, you and it's and just like very playful, colorful art. And I like that versus like even for it to be a crime drama, it's still very comedic but also light and it's not too heavy until it is heavy but yeah i i highly recommend checking it out mm, so i was gonna say something i was gonna say a question mm-hmm. i don't know it's not completely out of my head <laughs> <laughs> oh wait. so like does it start out with the heist of one thing or is it like the heist takes place throughout the whole webtoon oh it's like basically you enter into episode one and she is in the middle of a heist Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the summary says she's basically trying to uncover and 
get like uncovered dirt mm. on people. She's very much a not not Robin Hood, but technically, yes, I guess Robin Hood would be right because that's what gentlemen thieves are. They don't steal from the poor, they steal from the rich. And they also unveil the truth of like maybe these people who are at a high higher status in the law. So in this case, the two mafia families, um, she expo- she's exposing them and oh, getting okay. the truth. But at the same time, yes, get their money. Yeah, you know what? Get paid. Get paid. And I, I just love how you could tell the characters inspired by like Lupin the Third and then also like Sly Cooper Fox. If anyone played Sly Cooper on PlayStation, y'all know exactly what I mean. It's just... Ah, it's so good. Yeah, thieving is expensive. Like, if you're going to be stealing <laughs> high-tech stuff, you need high-tech gear to steal the high-tech stuff. He- Again, agreed. And also, who better to steal from than rich people? That's what I say. I always steal from the rich people. <laughs> That's just always what's the best thing about um, characters like this. It's just like, they're not, and they're made to seem like the villains. Like, y'all know how much I love Lupin the Third. But, like, that's my favorite thing. He's made to seem like a villain. And he doesn't see himself as the hero, but he ends up doing heroic things because there's typically somebody who is an actual evil villain. Yeah, he's like, And he is going to stop it. Yeah. So You're it's like, perfect. you are a jerk for no reason. So, you know what? I got to deal with you and I'll deal with you. Exactly. And it, sometimes it's out of just, que- like, coincidence where it's like, for hers, it's more so a part of her mission. So mm-hmm. I think it's a refreshing read. And it's like only at... Let's see. I think it's only at like 54. Yeah, 54 chapters. And the mid-season finale just happened. See, that's that's my issue with Webtoons. Like, I'm a kind of person, like, I need a whole complete story. And Webtoons for me are frustrating because, like, you'll be getting to the story. You'll be like, oh, it's getting good. And then it's like, oh, I'm the writer will be like, oh, guys, I'm taking a break. I might, I don't know when I'll be back. And you go back like three, four, five months, they're not back. And I'm just like, you know what, you deserve a break because creating webtoons is extremely hard work and very time consuming and very expensive. You, you deserve a break. But then you go back like a whole year later and you're like, okay, where's the second part? And you're like, oh, and the same thing happens with reading fan fiction too. Oh fan fiction, man, fan fiction not- is worse though because you really don't know if they coming back. I mean, I'm talking about myself. The They'll just drop a, a story completely and sometimes they never come back or sometimes they'll be like, oh, I, guys, I decided to discontinue the story. And you're like, what? Why? And they'll start a whole completely new story. I'm like, what? You know you're describing me. I started a fan fiction when I was like, I was writing, I started writing when I was 15. And I will never tell y'all what the, what the titles are because I'm not going to get judged for what I was writing at 15. <laughs> Oh but just God. know there are three stories out there and it and it got to the point where like a thousand people were described subscribed to like two of them and they were reading regularly each week and i would sneak down to my parents office and like write a chapter once a week see I, that's so and that's, then i just I, stopped i got the only reason i the only way i read uh, unfinished uh, fanfics now is if i see the person updating regular regularly yeah. So if I see the person updated this week and I saw them updating last week, then I'm like, okay, I can trust kind of sort of that you'll continue updating weekly till this story is finished. But well, if it's not finished, I don't read. I would want, I prefer to read like, like 15 and 20 fanfics a week that are just one or two or three chapters that invest my time in reading one with 45 chapters and it yeah. hasn't been updated in like six and seven months. Well, I guess the good thing is, and we can um, wrap up on this section, but I would say the good thing about Webtoon is if it's a Webtoon original, which like this, the series is, they, I don't know the ins and outs behind the scenes with Webtoon on it, but there's also kind of like this, like when you do an original series on Webtoon, 
um, that's like a webtoon original, you are, I think, contractually obligated to update so many. Um, and then like you're like you're, you're contract to do so many chapters for a season and then like you get a break. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like I've seen people who like, I don't know. I mean, some people if, if people are familiar with Let's Play and then like other like Midnight and Poppyland. Um, I think some people are familiar with like there's also the there could be some legal issues going on where like the creators legally are just like I'm discontinuing it until the legal issues have been resolved or like agreements have been signed. But I will say the the original series you have a better chance of having a regularly scheduled drop versus I don't know there's other like webtoon is able you're, people are anybody's able to submit a webtoon series so like if you if you're reading an original series you're more likely to have like a um more security <laughs> so less likely Carolyn will be left high and dry randomly there was one that was so good i have to go back and see if the person came back from vacation and updated it um but Mm -hmm. this will will now segue into a completed series which is beef the new netflix it's called a comedy drama but i wouldn't even call it a comedy this is just a straight up drama it has comedic elements and i think that's because it's more like just some of the things the characters say the way they like the actors the way how they deliver the lines is like very funny but I wouldn't describe it as a comedy. So this is Beef. It was created by Lee Sung Jin. And he's, ri- he's written on shows like Tuka and Birdie and, um, and a whole bunch of other shows. So like this is his first original full concept show. And it stars um, Steven Yeun and Ali Wong as these two people who just randomly, not even bump into each other, which is the whole ridiculousness of it. It's like, they are like these two people who are severely depressed and filled with so much anger and rage and frustration that just life in general. And the way how they meet is Steven Yen's character. He's coming out of this Forester's, which I guess is like a supermarket. And like he's he's having he had a like a frustrating experience with a cashier. And so he came out and he's backing out his truck. And mm-hmm. Ali Wong's character, she's like driving past. So she honked his honked her horn, but she's right to because he would have backed into her if she didn't honk uh, honk her horn. But then it turned into this whole road rage incident where he's just chasing her through the streets of Calabasas, and they run over this, they they drive over this person's front lawn, damaging their their. Flowers. I thought you were gonna say drive over this person. <laughs> no, drive, drive over this Ooh. person's front lawn and damage their flowers and their flower beds, and that actually the whole flower bed thing itself ties into the whole story because like this show turned out into me if i was to say it would be a comedy in a way would be a comedy of errors like hmm. everything that could possibly go wrong from these characters decisions happens and i think to me this i think the writers um let me find the right the writing team because i think the writing team which consists of Sung jin who is the creator and the he's directed one of the episodes. Um, also, it was stories written and edited by Jean Kyung Fraser, Marie Hannah Nguyen, um, Kevin Rosen, Ali Ju, um, Carrie Kemper, and a couple other people. This is a story. I, 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 this is a story where it talks about how things build up over time. You know, like people mm. can become. It talks about two ways people can become very angry people. You know, like one is like if you grow up in a family where you're not allowed to express yourself, you know, if your families co- encourage you or 
force you to, um, to suppress your emotions, you know, if you feel that like you can't please your parents, this is, and uh, this is Ali Wong's character, Amy, that's the kind of environment she grew up in. Her parents mm-hmm. didn't talk about their problems. She didn't feel encouraged to talk about her. So she grew up into this woman who's, um, even though she become, became very successful, she has a million dollar company. She has the perfect husband who's a stay-at-home husband and an artist and like the perfect daughter. She's still very angry and said, because she thinks that she can't talk about her problems, you know, because if she talks about her problems, it's going to spoil this perfect life that she has, you know, she feels that she can't talk to her husband because the thing with her husband, he frustrated me a lot. And like, he would say, okay, what's wrong? Talk to me, baby, talk to me. And he, she would start talking to him and he'd be like, okay, stop. Cause you're starting to spiral. I'm like, if you would just let her finish, she would right. stop. You know, but he stopped her midway and I'm just like, she can't get the rest of her emotions out, you know? So that's where her frustrations and her angers come from. And her anger and frustrations are more relatable. Like, I related a lot to her character. Whereas for Steven Young's character, Danny, he's just angry and he's angry at the world and angry at himself, I think, because of inadequacy. Like, he feels that like he doesn't measure up to a lot of people. He has all these aspirations for his construction company, but he also makes some extremely stupid decisions. Like so many of the things that goes wrong in this is because he just makes really, really bad decisions. He does not think of consequences. He doesn't think if I do this, what would the possible conse- the possible consequences for this, right? And that's that's how his character is. His character is one of those characters. I think particularly men in general, where they don't consider how their actions will impact other people's lives. Mm. You know? They don't think two, three steps down the road. They just think immediately like, okay, if I do this, this is going to solve my problem. I'm like, but you're creating problems for like 10 other people around you. So his character was just like, the entire was like, Danny, 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 what are you doing the entire time? So it's 10 episodes and it has three main directors. So the three main directors are um, Lee Sung Jin, as I said, who's the creator. He directed one episode. Um, three, um, six episodes was directed by Mike Schreier and the three other episodes are directed by Hikari. Now, I had to like do a little bit of geek out because Hikari, I've actually interviewed her before. She was the writer and director of a film called 37 Seconds, which is also on Netflix. And her film premiered at TIFF in 2019. And I interviewed her. And she was like one of my favorite interviews personally. And I was just like, oh, I directed this film. But the direction for this series is really, really good. Right. But narratively, it takes a couple of missteps, I think, especially in episode nine and 10. I think the series could have been eight episodes. It didn't need mm. to be episodes. And I think episode nine in particular was completely useless. Like so many things happened in, nine, in episode nine. I was just like, this doesn't feel like the show that I've been watching for the last eight episodes. It feels completely different. And turning to this kind of Wes Anderson, Rianne Johnson kind mm. of like comedy thing where it just turned into like, they had like this whole, this whole, um, I can't spoil it because like that's an embargo thing. But like this whole, this entire episode, so many things happen. I'm like, what is happening here? I'm like, what? <laughs> and then at the resolution in episode 10, I'm just like, we what happened in episode 10 could have happened in episode eight or even episode seven. We didn't need episode nine. So that would be my main critique for the show. It's just like, there are some kind of things I think like maybe Isan Jin thought that he needed more dramatic moments. And I'm like, no, this entire sh- show is dramatic. You didn't need all of this. Mm-hmm. Say episode nine, and I would actually say episode nine, and I would actually say it would be almost a perfect series. But apart from that, like the acting is amazing. Like the entire cast is amazing. Like even the, the um, supporting characters, like, um, you know, Justin Hitchman, he plays one of the siblings in um, Umbrella Academy. 
and oh. he plays Ben yes. Umbrella Academy. He is in this as well. He's a guest, a supporting character, and I really liked his character. I actually kind of wish we had more of his character a bit. Um, because I think his character had an interesting dynamic with Danny. And he was also in After Yang, which was a film directed by Koganada, starring Colin Farrell. But yeah, Ali and Steven, yeah, they own this show. Like, this was their show. And like, this just shows like what we've always known that Steven Yun is a fantastic actor and that Ali is a fantastic dramatic actress. Like, we know that comedians are make some of the best dramatic actors and actresses. And she is terrific like and the directing style works really well to me because it has a very particular feel and a very look to it so I really liked it so that is my review of Beef um, on Netflix and I think it's releasing on Netflix April 6th so this will be published before then so I would the only thing I, I, I was talking to someone else about this is perhaps I for me I didn't really feel it because I'm, I'm on anti-anxiety meds and antidepressants so I think I think the medication actually helps with me not feeling anxious because I think this is a show that could make people feel anxious, which I think mm-hmm. is intentional. The whole point of this show is about exploring people's anxiety and a lot of the things happen are supposed to make you, the audience, feel anxious. So that's the only caution that we give to this show is a, just like be mindful of that. Like this is not a show that I would say binge. Like maybe okay. watch one or two episodes. Like a heavy watch. Yeah, I okay. watched the time, but I wouldn't say binge. I watched it within almost. I watched nine episodes yesterday and the last episode today. But as I said, I want antidepressants and as anti-anxiety meds. And I honestly think if I wasn't on it, I would have felt maybe a bit anxious watching this. So like, just be cautious of that. Gotcha. No, I'm really interested. I've seen the trailer for it, and mm-hmm. honestly, it's very funny because they are both on Tuka and Birdie as boyfriend and girlfriend. So I think it's right. And not, I don't, I don't know if they do the voice acting in the same room together at the same time, but I kind of do love the idea of it's like you go from having to like talk to each other as if you're in a relationship to talking to each other and like hating each other. And that's a that's a good dynamic. I feel like that's the mark of like actors being able to do that is like really impressive. Like, can you talk to this person as if you hate them? You know and what? Then switch that, it. You know, now that you say that, it's probably easier to do it with someone who who you've done work with before. I'm sure, but it's just like you know, it's interesting. Yeah, but I also now that you said that, I'm wondering if the creator Isan Jane, if he had the same thought of having their characters be kind of like, because they kind of have that kind of dynamic where like mm-hmm. you are someone that I could potentially like or love or even be friends with, but I just absolutely, absolutely hate you. And like, there really isn't any reason for them to hate each other this much, but it's just because they had this road rage incident. Like it just mm-hmm. all escalated from this. And it kind of feels almost, if you like following what you're saying, like a relationship where in like, if you're in a relationship with someone and like this one thing annoys you, and then like it keeps just yes, getting it keeps annoying you more and more and more and more to the point it just drives you nuts and then you just start hating each other and saying like yeah. absolutely mean things so actually yeah i say so what you're saying actually kind of i'm no wonder if he was kind of inspired by their characters in tuka and birdie in that in that way hmm. I, I think it would be impressed i would be curious to know just like or was it just like mm, these two actors could do this job well like they didn't even think about it because i just think it's like yeah their dynamic in tuka and birdie is like not saying they're the perfect couple, but they're definitely a. Um, I don't want to go into. It. We could talk about Tuka Birdie another time because I yeah, think season I, four, season I, four will I come out soon. I want to watch because everyone that I know that watches it loves that show and like Netflix. So good. Didn't it cancel it? 
Netflix canceled it, but HBO Max picked it up. But you so can only kinda, watch season one on Netflix. So it's kind of funny that Eason Jin's other show, Tukan Birdie, is now on HBO Max, but this show is on Netflix. Yes, <laughs> After yes. Tukan Birdie got that's so funny to me, actually. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> the industry. Great. Um, oh yeah, my turn now for the next mm-hmm. series. And then Carolyn has also seen this, so we'll be sharing our um thoughts together. But I reviewed Swarm on Prime Video for the website. If y'all want to see my overall spoiler free review of this of the whole series um you can see that on but why though.net um but we will now we're gonna go spoilers with this one (laughs) so spoiler warning y'all can go read the review on the website or y'all can just hop back in a few minutes when we're done discussing but um swarm is an american satirical psychological horror thriller television series created by janine neighbors and donald glover the series follows Dre, um, played by Dominique Fishback, a young woman wh- whose obsession with a pop star takes a dark turn. And that is currently streaming on exclusively on Amazon Prime Video. So I enjoyed this film. Not film, sorry. I enjoyed this series. I watched it as if it was a film, though, because I watched it all in one setting to like get my review out. But I have to say, similar to what Carolyn said about like not binging all of beef or just like going at a slower pace i would highly recommend people to take swarm at a slow at a slower pace even though it's only seven episodes and they range between like 26 to 32 minutes each episode Mm -hmm. it is heavy it is dealing with a lot the first episode honestly right out the gate is a lot to deal with and who but I, I applaud Dominique Fishback for being a dynamic actress. And I even said it in my review. Um, and like, I guess like long story short, like from from the synopsis I just read, um, Dre, who's played by Dominique Fishback, their character, I won't say goes on a killing spree, but she becomes a serial murder of sorts. Like she definitely, but she doesn't, it's not like she... She's not necessarily methodical about it, but she's she's a murderer. That's plain and simple. She's a murderer. She's the main character of the series. I expect people to have a lot of mixed feelings about her. Um, shockingly enough, when the series aired, no one really talked about that. Everyone just talked about the sex scene, which I'm not surprised. But <laughs> four, four or five minute sex scene. Like, it wasn't even that long. It wasn't even that long. And the whole purpose of it was to show that dre the main character has like this very foreign feelings about like physical and like sexual relationships like she i mean well the the, at least neighbors at least neighbors had mentioned like that the whole purpose of it was to show that she's not necessarily it's just to show that she has this relationship with sex that is not necessarily that not necessarily normal to other people because i don't want to call her weird i think it was that but also i think she's obsessed with her sister marissa who's oh that too absolutely i think it was that and it wasn't that she was obsessed with her sister in a sexual way i think she's just obsessed with her sister as a person Mm-hmm. You no, know, she idolizes her sister. So, like the same way that you know, and this isn't spoiling anything because this show has been talked to death on Twitter. So the thing cool. with the sister, she I think she sees her sister the same way she sees the character um Nija, the, the, yeah. the singer. So she sees them almost as one person. Like mm-hmm. Nija is this one side, her sister, and then the, the Marissa that we know is one side, but it's like to her, I think she sees them both the same way. So what people, but what a funny watch, and I saw the same scene, I'm like, this is it. 
people what? made it seem like it was such a big deal and it's like i remember having to like men- i wanted to mention it but i was just like it's not worth mentioning it in my review but it's like y'all it's really not that deep like they are they're not even having actual intercourse P- the fact that people don't understand that there's intimacy directors in shows like this to make it look real but they are not actually having full-on insertive intercourse but, but you need to coordinators you can't actually have sex with people on because that turns it into a soft core move a soft exactly movie. and that's not what this was like that's not what this was it's but anyways that aside um getting Shut into up. like the murders and dominique as a character um dominique's character i i think it's very it's 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 one of those things because she's the main character and i think naturally we think we're supposed to root for the main character but then you realize like no we are just on the ride with this character we are yeah. like i'm not rooting for her if anything you just get to see and learn more about her as the series goes on but i do agree with you i think a big part of her obsession is because like she has this she it's more one-sided with her than it is with her sister but she has this obsessive attachment style with her older sister and it's to a level where it's unhealthy and it's sad because it's one of those things where like she she feels lost she doesn't know what to do and when she's true like in episode one trigger warnings there is a suicide um thankfully i always appreciate when if films are going to touch on suicide that we don't see it um because i feel like that would be way more jarring and a lot for anyone to handle but i appreciate that this film that this series did that that we don't see the suicide but you realize what happens oh and something worth mentioning is that the whole premise of the series is inspired by stan culture and Mm -hmm. like the darker sides of stan culture and they specifically are drawing inspiration from actual events involving the bayhive aka beyonce stands and i got problems with that but we'll get more into that I mean, I, I and I expect that some people to have problems with this. I think that there's something important to note that I think it's important for people to understand. Like this movie isn't making a statement about Beyonce. It's really it has it has it's not making a statement on Beyonce. It's not about Beyonce. It's just that they decided to choose. Mm, let's what if a stan, like a Beyonce stan, went on this murder spree for anyone who ever badmouth um their idol on twitter and it's like basically that's kind of like what she does like if you talk down <laughs> or talked bad about nija who is the pop star in the series that um dre is obsessed with she literally and like i think it started it's actually because like it's her sister her sister dies and commits suicide dies by suicide um listening to uh, an album that nija dropped and like that was inspired by a rumor it is false that that is not an actual event and I, again people need to understand that's not the real part that was inspired by a rumor that happened on twitter after beyonce dropped lemonade um that somebody had killed herself i'm like y'all are weird first of mm-hmm. all for making that a rumor but that was the, the, so that whole thing was inspired by that rumor and then following that dre's sister marissa people were like putting a lot of hate like there was one man who said like the, the bitch deserved to die for listening to nija and it's like we can't act like we don't see trolls like that on the internet and that's true like but then the whole thing is that dre goes after people like that and it and instead it's not about necessarily getting revenge for her sister because i don't think you could call that revenge but i think it's her way of like dealing with 
her sister's death in a way. I, but I also think it's revenge for her sister because no, no, mm. every time she goes after someone for bad mouthing Nigel, is somehow connected to her sister. Like they mm. show the clips okay. of the sister I see that. talking about Nigel, saying so her head. Mm-hmm. But the person is that's why I said I think she sees Nigel and her sister as that's one. Point. So like she sees when she sees someone attacking Nigel, she sees someone attacking Marissa because Marissa mm. loves Nigel. And Marissa was into Nigel. And that's another thing um, the, that the show doesn't even really address. But there's a lot of people that went that when they get into a fandom and become fans of someone else, like after the person has been like really popular for a long time, they become more diehard fans than mm-hmm. the people who've been there for years. And this is why I was saying personally, I have a problem with them making this show, this show based on first thing first, black female fandom, one, and then making it about a black superstar because. This behavior you see more in white spaces where mm-hmm. it's more like K-pop. For instance, K-pop. There are like people who got into K-pop after, like I'm going to name them, the group BTS became popular in the U.S. after 2019, but it became, fl- the, the fandom space became flooded with white people. Mm-hmm. Flooded with white people. And that's not for BTS, but that's like for a whole bunch of other K-pop groups. Like they, like white people, you know what they do? They come in and try to assert dominance and charity with the space. And that's when you start to see more violent threats coming from the fandoms and like directly mm. uh, uh, fa- and talking about killing people, all that kind of stuff. That's and and that happens. We see it with um MCU fandoms, we see it with Star Wars fandoms, we see it with anime fandoms, you know, you know, like and they and these people are in trying to prove that they're bigger fans than the people who have been there for years, they become more violent verbally and more abusive verbally. And that's why I was saying I took issue with this film. I keep saying film, but this shows. I know it feels like a film if you watch it back to back, right? Because it's shot kind of like a film. But Mm -hmm. I take issue with this story being about black women in particular and villainizing black women. When for one thing, they didn't even really explore fandom itself. I think this was just a way of showing a black female character as a as a violent murderer, and they were just like, you know, how about we just use as an excuse to do this? We're going to use the the obsession with a black female character. Like Nigel herself doesn't isn't even a character. You know, like we like <laughs> we don't get to know who this character is. We didn't get to see the perspective of the artist being looked at this way by the fans. And that would have been an interesting dynamic to have. Yeah. And I guess I disagree with it. it. I don't feel that it's a film about making a statement or anything about black women fandom necessarily, because like we only see Dre. I right. think if we saw others, I think then I would say like and if it was like solely focused on black women, but only because like Dre is the only one we see we see other fans yeah. but we don't see but even those other fans are kind of like arbitrary they, because those are the fans she ends up taking out those same people yeah well it's weird like i guess that's my whole thing it's like my whole thing is like i don't feel like it's making a statement about black women fandom only because we only see it from dre's perspective and like marissa where it's like marissa obviously is also i wouldn't call her a stand because she definitely is not as obsessed yeah. like whereas dre is very obsessed and then I feel like because I and I also made this comment about it is just that I feel my whole thing is this when it comes to this isn't true crime, but it's made to seem like a like a it's not a it's not Dahmer. Let's put it that way. But in a sense, it's filmed like Dahmer, where Dahmer is about a real life serial killer. And these are and, and it's dramatized for in, entertainment. It's not a documentary. Whereas, like, this is shot similar to how Dahmer was, where it's, like, it's a retelling, but, like, none of this is real. This yeah, is they're trying to make it seem like it was actually real, because there was even an episode, exactly. which I thought was the meta, 
Well, I kind of liked the meta episode, but it was confusing because you're just like, wait, so what is what I've been watching this series that y'all mentioned in this episode this entire time? I'm just like, uh. Right. The, the reason it was kind of confusing because the tone of the episodes is completely different because yeah. that one they did it like a mockumentary and i'm like why would you do it like a mockumentary they should have done it the same way where it's almost like a true crime not even a that, true crime but more are but more like you know shows like um mind hunter if they had yeah. made the if they had made the episode more like a mind hunter rather than a true crime mm-hmm. it wouldn't have um more rather than a mockumentary it wouldn't have felt so completely out of left field because it just mm-hmm. completely threw you because i binged this show i actually binged watching mm-hmm. i watched the first episodes one back to back and i watched the second the seventh episode the day after but so when i was watching i'm just like it just co- came completely out of left field and the lighting is different the directing style is different it's the a completely different storyline and i think completely different yeah and i don't know if it's like is that the point like is it supposed to be different is it supposed to not fit because it's like it's one of those confusing things like, so wait, what I've been watching is the series that the episode six mentioned, but we've been watching like it's it's kind of it's just sure. It's, it's, like- it's, it's I think that's what it's supposed to do, but then at the same time, this is like it's it's Donald Glover. So it de- definitely that episode made me feel like this has that Atlanta um tone. Like that it had that feeling to it. And like there's other parts in the show that feels like it has the Atlanta mm-hmm. fe- like feel and tone to it. Yeah. So I just like I and I it's weird because like I thought episode six was good because we're seeing it from somebody else's perspective other than Dre. But then at the same because like I think to your point, like I would have really liked to have somebody else's perspective other than her, but at the same time, it's not about anybody else but her. So same thing. That's why I, I felt confident saying, like, yeah, y'all, this has nothing to really they're not making a statement about Beyonce, they're not making a statement. Beyonce isn't the Beyonce-esque character doesn't even have actual lines because you don't know if episode seven was completely an old girl's brain. I think it was. Or that, it was oh, that, the ending was definitely was because, like, I feel like she got tackled on stage or shot and we just don't see it. And she's just playing out the rest of it mm-hmm. in her head because the way it all just unfolds by the end is just, I was sad for this character. And it's like, I don't... I don't, and I, I also feel like the film, not film, dang, we keep saying film, but it's like, it feels like a film if you watch all of it, but when we get more of her backstory and we learn that she has a past with violence or in, and like her mental health, I feel like I appreciate that none of that is meant to forgive what she's done. She's still not. She is not absolved of the murders that she's committed. She is not absolved of anything that she's done, but it does make her more rounded out to understand of like how she got to where she is. Hmm. Like at least, and I think that's a good thing that happens with episode six. It's confusing in the tone is I think it rounds episode six helps to round out Dre's character because we that's where we get that not bird's eye view, but just that different perspective of her because everything else we've seen is just people thinking she's weird or she's you see the other side where like she's violent and killing but then you you learn about her childhood and her background even though it's still kind of vague but and that's that's my other thing with this right because i had issues with this show and then i read the interviews with donald glover and the other cool creator Janine neighbor mm-hmm. and i on this is just my personal feelings like I, and I've said this publicly before. Donald Glover does not like black women. He has made that 
abundantly clear. He does not like black women. And he in particular does not like dark-skinned black women. And that comes through in his portrayal of black women on screen, in the narrative, in the dialogue, and how the characters are characterized. This show is a prime example of that. And people are saying, oh, you can't say that because it has a black female co-creator. Guess what? Internalized misogyny is a thing in women too. Anti-blackness is a thing with black women too. Colorism is a thing with black women too. Female jealousy is a thing with black women too. Black female creators can have the same um, this what's the word? This, is it discrimination? The same negative feelings about other black women that black men have. And this show to me, this is where I'm, my thing with this show, this show could have been so good if it had a different writing team, because mm-hmm. I get where they're going. Cause yes, it's not my address. It's not a biopic about fans. And they just, they just use black female fandoms, black female fans and like a black female superstar as kind of like the framework for this story. My problem with this comes is, as you were saying, we don't even really get to know who Dre is as a character. The only way we get to see Dre, who what led to Dre being this way, is in episode six, where we have that the perspective of the detective. And as they mm-hmm. said, the fact that they didn't even film that properly, whereas like they filmed it in a completely different vibe to the rest of the show, to me shows that they weren't even serious about that. Because for instance, if they had taken that episode more seriously and made it as serious as the rest of the show, you could they, it would have had more gravity to the discussion mm-hmm. of this child was left behind in, through the um the the system because she was adopted and she was dumped, you know, like and she was kicked out of the house. Like that that gravity to me was lost because the person, the, the detective, she herself isn't taking it seriously. She, really? To me, I, I feel like she did. To me, she was she she was dead, but she was also kind of gleeful about it. Like, you know, like the part mm-hmm. with the caseworker, she was like, are you doing this because you actually care about this young woman? Or are you doing this because you just want to make a case number? Because you want to make a name for yourself by catching the serial killer, you know? Because that's what mm-hmm. she always, that's what, like, to me, and that's my other thing. Like, this isn't about the gravity of, of Black women and Black children being left behind in the system. It's just about making a mockery of the situation that's where i'm saying like the 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 situations with the black with the white women that she killed was taken more seriously than that whole situation and that's my other thing and uh, my other thing for this is they like like you're saying like a lot of the characters were calling her weird Mm -hmm. And, and to me that's another thing where again like you see the dislike that janine neighbor and donald glover has for black women because that doesn't happen with any other characters in the show. There are other people who would do things, quote unquote, that seem weird, but no one else calls them weird. She well, has- I think that's because she's just a man. It's about her. It's not about anybody but, else. But, no, but, but what I mean is just like, what I mean is just like, this character is intrigued. I can't even, even if I hadn't read what he said by calling her an animal, I, to hmm. me, I'm just like, this character isn't treated humanely. You hmm. know? She's I not- guess the- Oh, so even as a, when I say, and I don't mean like she has to be treating me like, I mean, like she's a serial killer, she has all these issues. But even before she started killing people, the mm-hmm. character of Dre herself was not treated humanely. And, right. And like, you know what I mean? She was treated as like this, like someone that people couldn't stand to be around. You know. I mean, so, yeah. Because and, and that's and 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 I have I have such an issue with that. Where where people who, um, I again, this might be my own personal feelings, but. I just have such an issue where especially black people, especially um, people who are who are seen as being outside of quote unquote the norm, 
are mm-hmm. treated as such castaways. Like it's fine to make fun of this person because she talks different. It's fine to make pers- fun of this person because she doesn't know how to wear makeup. It's fine to make fun of this person because she doesn't wear her weave the way her sister does. Because she's shorter, darker, and a little bit more chubbier than her tall, light-skinned sister. You know, if you and that's that's my problem with this entire show. And mm-hmm. that's and the show has potential. Like I like these kind of like dark and um Satirical. cerebral kind of shows, but this show feels to me in how it just treats black female characters. Like even looking at Marissa, I think like Marissa, I didn't even catch on that she had killed herself until later till uh-huh. it's mentioned by the boyfriend's brother. I was like, that's what happened because even her death wasn't treated seriously. You know, even her death. Really? Just like the scene where her sister comes in and finds her. That's. No, that I, don't, was, I don't mean, oh. I mean, Marissa herself. Like she just, oh. like she, Marissa herself isn't treated as a, as a person, mm. you know? is like her introduction into the very first in her very first scene is her having sex and again as i said this is it's not a problem with the sex scene it's just how this character is viewed through the lens of the creators and through the lens of the directors so like the show has potential i i'm not going to rate it but i i also have issues with how the audience perceived Dre as people are like oh my gosh she's neurodivergent she's autistic first and first the character was not intended to be neurodivergent. She's not written that way. And that's another issue I have with people. And this is an yeah. audience perception where people think that, again, because someone walks differently, talks differently, dresses differently to quote unquote the norm, they're being quoted as autistic, having um, mm-hmm. ADHD or on the spectrum. That is not right. That's not good. And that's creating so much stigmatization about right. black women in particular. I'm even going to write a piece, but I'm not going to go on a whole rant about that. But I'm like some aspects of the show for one thing dominique fishback mm-hmm. is like she makes this show work honestly i don't know if there was anyone else playing the character dre if it would even be watchable thank you it, it would not be watchable if anyone else did it makes it watchable because she's such a fantastic actress very dynamic and like i i could have dropped this i could have honestly dropped this show in season episode one but i was just like you know i want to see where dominique takes this character so that's mm-hmm. what kept, kept me watching. And I would even say Chloe Bailey has a lot of potential too. She wasn't too bad in her scene. She actually, I'm like, you know what, Chloe? You got potential. Be serious about this. Go and take some good acting classes with some people that know what they're doing. And you could actually have like a strong career as an actress. So that's, and that's what I, um, so that's what I would say about the show. And like, mm-hmm. again, it's just like <sighs> potential. It was there. But Dominique Fishback to me is, she is the only thing that makes this show watchable. I will say I agree with Dominic Fishback is a huge reason why this show is good to me um, and why I called like got it like it grips like her performance is what is what gripped me into keep watching the series. And like because I just wanted to see what like I said, you are just on the ride with Dre and you are just on the ride and seeing where this goes with her. And it's just it's one of those things where I think our first reactions as an audience is to want to root for the main character in the series. Mm -hmm. And when you realize, no, there's actually nothing. And it's like, Dre is a complex character. You want to know how she gets there. When you find out how she gets there, it's like, yeah, I feel like you feel for this girl, but that doesn't mean you, you feel like everything she's done needs needs to be absolved. And I think that's more of a deeper (laughs) conversation we can have later. Cause I actually had the conversation on the, on the main, on the flagship podcast, but, um, but why the podcast and we talked about like people want rounded out villains, but then they're shocked when villains do bad shit. Like y'all are upset when people do villainous, murderous stuff. Like mm. not every villain is mane- maleficent. 
<laughs> not every villain is going to be uh, redeemable and that and and that's the case here and it's just like the way i look at it is like dre is this young black girl who the system failed she did not have the support system that she needed and it shows like how she like just got to where she is but it wasn't done and like the best of ways and part of it is like i don't know if that was supposed to be like i would be more curious to ask the directors like I don't is even it think the that mystery is she it became a killer oh that's no thing. so that's not even connected so that's another thing I don't see her why the, I don't see the reason she became a killer as being connected to her traumatic past. Well, no, and, and I don't. I sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, and I don't think that's it. I think it's just more so like there are contributing factors that happened in her life, or and then like that repeatedly happened, and it's just like I would be more curious to know how more about Dre from that perspective. It's just like why did you decide to start killing? Why did you and like and like we can like I feel like it's on us as the audience like you said like because from what we can see she held Nigel and her sister on like pedestals. Mm -hmm. And for her it's like oh my sister's gone all I have left is Nigel. And it's and I do think the show does a really good job of taking like stand culture and showing like there's a darker side to stand culture like doxing and threats and all this other stuff and like this is an extreme lens of what stand culture <laughs> could be right. on a, an extreme dark lens because we know people dox we know people send death threats we and like over over somebody who don't even know <laughs> you exist. Who don't even know you? These people put on a person, and I can speak because I've I've been docs, mm -hmm. I've been I've right. had death threats and all kind of thing. So my I'm always just like, why are you on you? Why are you threatening me on social media for somebody who don't know you, who don't even know that you exist? Like, like I love Beyonce, or, but I'm not about to kill nobody for Beyonce. But it's like it's a joke, right? Because it's even like what was it? She Hulk. There was the joke where she sucks told Megan the Stallion like I would kill for you, Megan the Stallion, and like. Yeah, that's a stand joke when people say that. But then it's like, what if there's people who took that who seriously? Who exactly. would? Yeah. And I guess, like, just the last thing I want to add, because you had mentioned it. Like, I do agree. I don't like the assumptions people made about Dre being on the spectrum or that, like, she was neurodivergent. Because, like, I'm of the mind where, like, I think that's the kind of stuff that needs to be confirmed before you just label a character as that, because it does a disservice to people who are a part of that community, where it's like, I think the whole point was that Dre was just supposed to be awkward as hell. I cringe. Some people are just naturally awkward and it has nothing to do with neurodivergence. Exactly. She awkward. made me cringe. Like she has, it's clear she doesn't like necessarily know how to interact with people on a social level or, or she doesn't there. want to. And I think that was, I think uh, to me, but that's another thing where I said to mm -hmm. me with the scene, this, the whole episode six, where it wasn't taken seriously enough, where like they didn't give enough foundation for to X. I'm like, okay, they're trying to say, yes, Ray was a, Dre was a part of the system. Both, she, that's how she met Marissa. Like she was her adopted sister. Right. And, they close, and that's, they're like, okay, so that's how she and Marissa formed a close bond because once she was <laughs> getting to the house, she and Marissa joined together and they started to live together and marissa became kind of her crutch and like she was depending on marissa. oh absolutely the attachment style was devastating exactly but they didn't really and i think it's implied that the reason but that it's not even implied because donna glover again said it straight up in the interview the reason that Dre kills is because she's an animal he doesn't see her as a human being so like animals kill because that's part that's instinctual thing. which it doesn't make sense even, to say they that even, they don't even want to boil it down so maybe she's a sociopath that's not even the reason for drake killing people she just kills people because she's 
an animal in the eyes of the creators. And that's another thing. Like we try, we're really trying to rationalize and make more of this than it is. But I think the reason she, like we could say, okay, she's a sociopath. She's a, it's like, you know, like she has, she came from a broken home. It really, and that's not it. What led to Drake killing is because the creator says she's an animal. She's not, has, doesn't have any humanity about her. They called her a dog. And therefore that's the reason she kills. And that's why she eats after she kills because that's what animals do. After, right. especially um, pre- predators, after they kill their prey, they feast on their prey. But she's not a cannibal, so she's not going to eat the people, but she's going to eat the food they have in their pantries. Yeah. You know what? Interesting thought. Because I just watched you season whatever. I can't remember. But they touched on this, how some people... Oh, you on Netflix. Oh, you, you. Oh, I haven't seen yeah. you. And they touched on, like, how, like, one of these characters, they thought the celebrity that they were stalking was communicating to them. Hmm. through the television and that like that's a thing like that's a that's a form of mental illness where people think yeah you know, that's a form of schizophrenia exactly exactly now now i i would say this if that was something that was confirmed if they said that dre was schizophrenic and that it, uh, coupled with her obsession for nija and the death of her sister and and she felt like nija wanted her to kill people i feel like that would have been better motivation mm-hmm. than just calling her an animal and that that was my whole thing because i'm like one of the problems i had was just like i just don't understand the method to her killing because she killed like and we don't know if she's killed more people but it's clear that she probably has because she's driving a car with blood in it and driving all of these big cars and got all these credit cards i was wondering because somebody had to even point it out because i'm like where the hell is she getting all this money where's she getting all these cars and then somebody was like She's using the credit cards of people that she's killed. So clearly she's been killing way more people than we know. Than we know. And we don't even know if it's like, again, there's no method, the logical like reasoning necessarily, because like we're just to like you said, Donald Glover said she's an animal. And that's like, that is a problem for me. Cause I'm like, I feel like it would have been nice to have more reasoning why she's doing this versus just calling her like, oh, Drake she's an animal. Who's yes, I get way more backstory than Dre does. Yeah. <laughs> no that's true that's true and, and that's why i was saying the show has potential but the biggest <gasps> fault with the show itself is the creators the creators are the biggest issue and they're the ones who wrote the, all the episodes so like yeah. which i mean you draw most of the inspiration from actual events well and i say most heavy emphasis on most like the beyonce getting bit incident the the fans storming the the, the fans storming the stage um there is also like there's even the elevator fight like there's all these things that's drawn like inspiration is drawn from that are actual events that happened but i think like i liked that part like yes use the actual events to make it seem more like lifelike but clearly showing that this is not based on a true story and that's the other thing they're contradicting themselves because right before every episode they were saying this and this episode is inspired by real events but then they would say, oh, but this isn't really supposed to be dry. I'm like, you're clearly, you're contradicting yourself. They're trying to not get sued. I wish they would get sued. Oh, listen, I was just like, I kept reading that statement at the beginning of every episode. So I'm like, so you are intentionally basing this on actual events that happen. And using actual footage within the show. Like, and all I could think about is like, I hope Beyonce's sued. lawyers had to be on y'all yeah. <laughs> for you to have I, that statement. Because I, 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 I don't, mm, I just don't believe I don't know. People, and then everybody just speculating whether Beyonce watched it or not. Honestly, y'all, it don't matter. It's not about her. But the other thing, speaking about using real things, they use real mugshots. So, no, I have a problem mm. with that. And the reason I have a problem with that is if you notice that after they show the mugshots, you would have, there would be a male, usually a male character making insulting comments about Dre's 
person. Yeah. Her, her appearance. And I don't, that's where, again, that's another example where you can see the creators themselves don't even like, you, you can, to me, you can always tell when a creator does not like the characters they create. This, mm-hmm. you can tell they did not like Dre and they don't like any of the Black female characters in this show because the way how the Black female characters in this show are treated is abysmally. And that's including the four Black women who were strippers. And But my other thing is because like they, they made they made um, references to Dre looking like a man. And that's something I've been told because I'm dark skin and I have shark cut hair. I've had men tell me that I look like a man because I got shark cut hair. And so when you have those kind of comments flying at Dre in the show, and I why? I thought that was a weird, like, take because I'm like, y'all would have just, I guess, and my whole thing is this because, like, if again, if we had the dialogue or the perspective that Dre decided that, like, did she do this to hide her appearance as a woman so she would be less likely identified for her murders? Great, that would be great explanation. Right. But then she completely changes the way she looks to be to look more masculine. And it's like, and then it's just like, well, like, like you said, someone's like, oh, it was a man who stormed the stage. I'm like, okay, in the real life event, yes, a man did storm a stage that Beyonce was performing on. And I'm like, I just, I feel like that was a weird shift in her appearance. And I, I wish I that, I that wish was there was more reasoning. Yeah, because then she, then she's having a sexual experience. She's having a sexual relationship with a woman. I'm like, are you trying to say all the reasons she didn't have? And it's not even that because she has sex with a white guy. So, and apparently that was something she had more because it was, this is, again, this is something for us, the audience to infer because the writing, again, doesn't explain shit. We're supposed to assume that she turns into a femme fatale at night and goes to clubs and hooks up with guys. Thanks to not do the power of Nyjah, she was turned to a, 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 that scene was, was, again. Is that supposed to be like a callback to Sasha Fierce, to the Sasha Fierce um, altar? Could be, you know, part of me wants I mean, I don't know if I'm in a space to rewatch all of this again, but there is like, I don't, I just, I don't get it. Cause I'm like, there's just some things that like, I don't, I don't necessarily want the creators and directors to always like spell things out. But at the same time, I feel like you're asking the audience to infer a lot. Like her sister and her just had a big fight. Her response was to binge the visual album that Nyjah just dropped. And that inspired her to go and have sex with the first man that she caught an eye with. And then like, so that that's literally what happens. But then I'm just like the reasoning behind it. It's all set up. And I think like that's where it's, it's one of the problems is it's like you did these things to set up the next thing that was going to happen, which was Marissa's suicide. But the reasoning is just lost. Marissa's suicide, the reason she she was she killed herself because her boyfriend was cheating on her. Her boyfriend was cheating and she thought Nyjah's song was talking to her. Like her Marissa was at a very, very, very low point. And she was depressed because her boyfriend cheated on her. But, and that and that part that whole thing, that part was inspired by the, the rumor in real life. But that never happened. But, and it's but, just but, but the thing is, is like the way how they even treated depression, like I'm like, yeah, like it wasn't like, and my thing is like, okay, so she was depressed and the boyfriend, she didn't, but this was, this happened within like, what, a weekend? A weekend. And it's like, you know, and that she's had a history of suicide, but, or so su- she had a, um, a suicide attempt Yeah, based on the scar. But it, again, like you said, this is a, this probably would have been better if we had a little bit more on marissa as a character right we didn't really get to know because that all happened within the first what half an hour the first episode i mean yeah the first episode it's all just one episode where you know you you learn about them 
and then yeah and i gone for the rest at the of end of the day i think it's an interesting dark satirical take on stan culture and it's a wild twisted wild ride but i do think there's some things where it's just like i think you're asking too much of the audience to infer because then you're just like i'm confused and i'm lost Yep. So I, I guess I welcome people to just go along with the wild ride. That's the yeah. best way to just, take it in. Just watch it for Dominique. Dominique, yes, that part too. Dominique is amazing. And I last thing I will say on this is I think Dominique deserves all the flowers for a role mm-hmm. like this. White her white counterparts, white specifically white male actors in the industry are always applauded for playing serial killers and like how how method they went how dark they went and, da, 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 da. and like and i'm not saying that the performances wasn't great i just feel like i don't want it to be taken away because i know there's this shift that some people have felt like again because i feel better about watching a dark psychological horror murder series when it's fictional than when you take something like Dahmer mm-hmm. that dramatizes real life people specifically the victims that's the thing that i'm i i can't and that's not what this is so (sighs) that was was an odd one agreed so we just finished talking about swarm the new um amazon i always want to say amazon prime but it's also prime video I know it's, it's such a long it's such a long one just say prime video prime video <laughs> the, the new prime video show is starring Dominique Fishback and the next show next <laughs> we could cover our, our film selection for this episode is going to be Creed 3 directed and co-written by Michael B. Jordan you know what first off I just have to say I am so proud of him for doing this film because this is his first production where because he's mm-hmm. done like the show saving dion on um netflix yeah. and he and he's been executive producing a lot of other projects as well i think he also mm-hmm. executive produced one of the marvel um the last marvel film i could be wrong but he also mm-hmm. EP'd this film as well and he worked very closely with the cinematographer, uh, Kramer Margento, I'm plugging myself here a bit because I interviewed him for Variety and you can read that interview with Kramer Margento on Variety, but I'm also going to publish the, uh, the episode, the interview in audio format as well. So that'll be coming soon. But I'm all I'm so proud of him because this is his first feature directorial debut and this mm-hmm. is such a well-made film, but also, you know, because when you got millions of dollars behind you, when you have an extremely large budget behind you, you can make a fantastic film like this. <laughs> You can. The cinematography is just peak and I love it. And it's just like the fight scenes, Mm -hmm. my favorite part. Because, like, when people, when he said the film was inspired by anime, I feel like if you have ever seen, yes, you already already knew I was going to go there because I feel like it's, it is. And I know some people were looking for like the literal inspirations. I'm like, no, y'all, it's as simple as like there are certain body shots with like the camera and like how he's like in the in the very first fight when like the, the film opens, he has this moment of like how you see like obviously it's slowed down for our perception, but it's actually happening very fast. But it's like you see his eyes, you see how he's moving. And it's like this is stuff from anime, like mm-hmm. this, this freeze frame almost like like speed cam and then freeze frame. Of like yes exactly and like how he's noticing like every like every like split second thing or like everything in a split second like a and fly flying across the street right the fly- like a, a ball of sweat just dripping the, down your that boot. was it literally at the ball the the sweat, sweat dripping down the, the side to like hit somebody 
It was great. Muscle flex. I, well, I picked up all of that too. I was just like, I'm like, that's an anime shot. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. an anime shot. I'm the sweet. body shot to the stomach where he basically like heaved over into the air. The yeah. the the twin knockout punch. It's just like it's so good. But I especially love the fact, and I wrote a five reasons to watch a G- or six reasons to watch a Jimmy No Ippo after Creed because. Michael B. Jordan has gone on record saying how much of an inspiration Hajime no Ippo was for him. And I think anybody who watches Hajime no Ippo will understand what he means. Like, Ippo is this young, um, young Japanese boy who wants to become stronger and wants to prove himself. And a lot of that comes because comes from he was inspired by his father. What who is in, Adonis inspired by to become a Daddy. fighter? his daddy and why because and he wanted to prove himself as a fighter not not to just go and it's and like even though the first one correct me if i'm wrong he originally didn't fight under the name creed no he fought, he, uh, he, uh, fought, he fought under the name he had from his um adoption. yeah that's right his ado- his adopted no wait, that still would have been creed but like was it her maiden name or his it mother's his mother's maiden? his birth mother's maiden name that's right his birth mother's maiden name and that's important because for him it's like I didn't want to earn this because of I am a creed. And I feel like Creed because he, three, he hated his daddy at that point in time. I mean, that too. He had daddy issues. And all that, you know, daddy issues. He had complicated daddy issues. But I think a big part of it is like for Creed 3 is like how it calls back to Creed 1 because it is about legacy. It is about him proving that like I built this and I expanded on my father's legacy. But as much as he expanded on his father's legacy, it is his legacy, like rightfully his legacy, even though it's like he didn't really even get to know his father. Yep. Like, I'm pretty sure Apollo died <laughs> before he even met his father. So it's like, it's really good in that sense where like the anime references and the callbacks to previous films. Um, I, How did you feel about Sylvester Stallone not being in the movie at all, though? <laughs> so happy that there weren't that many white people walking around this film but just like this he was like you're gonna have as many bad people as we're gonna have and the only reference to sylvester's character to rocky is um drago's drago's son being there which i so i'm so happy that they're friends now because they mm-hmm. were like they were like that's our parents ish that's that that's like drago and rocky's ish that's not me yeah. our ish and they were like that's another thing i think this episode this film is about it's about dra- breaking not gener- generational curses but just breaking away from grudges that parents hold you know like that's mm. if your parents have a grudge against another parent that's their business don't that's let, they're like let's not make it our problem so i think that's a lot of the that was a, a big theme mm-hmm. this one because the same thing with um adonis's mother who was creed's um wife she had she was still kind of bitter about the relationship she had with um his with apollo and while she denied it some of that bitterness was still there you know she still had resentment for it and it still kind of fed into her relationship with Adonis but she didn't realize it he felt it mm-hmm. and he could see it but you know like she couldn't see it. neither his wife um Marissa she couldn't see it either but he was just like he's like I can see the resentment it's there I can feel it well and yeah like, and I think a big part of that is because of how she tried to block um Adonis and Jerry having a having a relationship while Dre was in prison like yep. it's almost as if she wanted to erase the place that he came from because yeah, it's a reminder okay. of what her husband did. And it's just like, do you realize how like your feelings about something is affecting this boy and like actually boys like and I feel like it's unfair because she I feel like she did everything with love and because of how she cared for him and ex- all this stuff. But it's like, but you did contribute to 
this issue. But if it she, shows you that parents, even when parents do things from a place of love, that parents mm-hmm. don't always know what's best. You know, they don't. And they and their parents also don't consider the consequences of their actions, where mm-hmm. it may seem like a good idea. Now, like for instance, um, the character of Dame, who's played by um, Dame, yeah. Peters, if she hadn't hid those letters that he wrote to Adonis, that that animosity would not have built up over years, because because uh, Dame thought Dame thought he had been um, betrayed and that he had mm-hmm. been abandoned. By the one person in his life that he trusted, his the brother, person, his Connor, that was his brother. They were they were in brother in everything but blood, and he felt that his brother left him to go and live uh, in wealth, you know. And so he that he had that animosity built up in him. So their friendship would have never broken apart if she mm-hmm. hadn't hit those letters. And not only did she, that affect him, but it also affected Apollo because he lost yeah, a brother yeah. too. You know, he's coming into this environment, and he he's basically like the uh, the, the the fighter version of uh, will's character in fresh prince of bel-air <laughs> if you think pretty much that. pretty much and i do feel like adonis does owe some blame because oh, yeah, sure. we at least know he did not make an attempt to reach out to dame on That's his own and like if he had i think it would have been better for us to have seen but I think that's the whole point. It's just like he has his own guilt because he realized, like, I did leave you behind. I, that that was my past. And he had like, the money to reach out. He could have hired a private investigator and say, Can you go to find this friend for me? Right. I mean, even as a grown man, he could have looked into like finding out what happened to Dame. And it's like it rather than doing that. And I think that's a big part of like the his arc in the story is how he's dealing with a, a bit of survivor's remorse and also deal like contem- like dealing with that dealing with the whole he wants to be a mentor to newer fighters he wants to like help others but it's just like first of all i just have to i love creed series but like i love how you know none of this makes sense because like we we said this before in creed 2 when we reviewed it there is no way on god's green earth that drago and adonis would ever fight because they are in completely different weight classes. Yeah, exactly. They are completely <laughs> different weight classes. And same thing here. There is no way that fight between Dame and then the, I uh, can't remember, what was his name? Um, The other fighter. Oh, uh, let me look it up. Because he was actually pretty good too. I like, I like them. I like this. I, I I would like to see more, but then we'll get into the Creed. Um, he was Felix Chavez. And yes, the Felix. Chavez, right, and the character who played him is Jose uh, Benavides. And I think he was really good, too. I think he's good. I like the idea of him being, like, the next up and coming. I don't know, like, I guess it would be interesting to see if that's what the Creed series is doing. I know Michael B. Jordan has talked about how he wants to build up the Creed-verse. But I then I actually like to see it. I would like to see Felix. I would like to see a big, like more perspective on him. Part of me is just like, I, I'm fine with it not being the Creed verse. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with it just being like, let Felix have, like, let hit that story follow him. And Michael B. Jordan can play a much minor, minor role in it. Yeah, and that's only imagine. because I don't think we need a Creed five. And it's more so about him being a trainer. Like, you know what I mean? It do- he doesn't need to be the focus if you want to continue these stories, but it seems weird not to. So, long-winded but my point is i would be interested to see how they build out as he calls it the creed verse mm-hmm. if you're if the point is to bring in because like the last movie creed 3 feels like a good a, a solid goodbye yeah to him and like for him to retire for him to not be a fighter anymore and like it almost gives you hope that like yes the next generation of fighters it's your turn now but the point i was going to make is there's no reason that fight between dame and felix would have ever happened because you never picked unrealistic people. 
that was the most unrealistic thing about the whole film because you don't just become a you don't just challenge someone to a championship fight with no professional experience and you would and his all his professional experiences was like over 20 years ago when he was a kid on top of the fact you should never have someone who is your sparring that wasn't even official matches. That was just like underground boxing. Well, and that's the thing that I wish they had made clear because they talked about when he was, they gave a flashback of how he was younger, you know, and that like whole ESPN shot about like, yeah, he was up and coming and this and that. And they thought he was going to be the next one in the league. So there is at least hinting at the like, okay, people had his eyes on him for going pro. Yeah. Um, But it's like, you also would never as a, as a manager have your spar, like the person who is sparring with your title fighter in a title match you would never do that why because dame knows his all of his weaknesses exactly and he really and i'm like what did you expect to happen why were you shocked what did did you really expect dame to like throw the fight did and, you really expect dame that. not to go, go, come out like real hard like he ain't gonna come out there he, he the man made it clear from the beginning he has something to prove that he had a chip exactly. on his shoulder so when 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 um when adonis was surprised that he's like oh my god you planned this from the beginning i'm like hell yeah of course the this shit. of course he did i mean like i think the whole plot to get take out drago <laughs> was hilarious because i'm just like Drago okay. can take on those guys, no problem. I'm just not. That was like the part how that got me. How did those guys get in there? That part. How did they get in there? Because it was like he... one or two, like a three. They, the only person who would have had an invitation is Dane. And he ain't got the power to invite other people. So how them guys roll up in there with a baton metal with, uh, with weapons? Like, how did them? he know about all this stuff is going to happen? Like, it, it's just, it's, some of this is just like, we're like, yes, Creed feels like an anime because this is ridiculous. Because this I is know, the only- It's happening for because reasons. It is the most anime, non-anime thing to have ever happened is this moment, is the logic that led us to Dame and Adonis fighting in the ring, which I will say I'm fine with it. I'm but when it comes to Rocky and Creed movies, you just accept it. You accept reality for what it is and logic for what it is. But yeah, yeah getting on to I guess performances, I really feel like um Jonathan Majors held his own against Michael B. Jordan as a supporting character. And I was impressed with his work in the film. I do think though, um, my thing that I like the most is that. We, even though she's a, in a supporting role, I think Tessa Thompson made a very impactful performance in the film, and especially on the like, because I feel like, and you tell me how you feel about this. I I wish the film went a little further on the black men mental health, um, tone. Like I feel like it was going there, but it felt like, yes, Adonis needs someone to talk to and to open up to. Please let show us a scene with him with a therapist <laughs> or going to therapy. I, yeah, because I I agree with you because they were both going to therapy, but they were going to ther- they were going to he was going to a couple of therapy with Bianca, which mm-hmm. is which makes sense because they have they like that's just healthy for couples, right? It is. But yeah, I I agree with you. Like just exploring, like if we have seen maybe a couple scenes, at least one scene with him going to a therapist by himself to talk about the shift of being a professional boxer to being retired, because that's how the film starts. So like he starts up retired, like after mm-hmm. he got that game in that by in South Africa he was like I'm going to retire on the top which is best way to go out so I wish they had explored that a bit more but mm-hmm. another thing that I wish they has I just wish we had this a bit more time with Bianca because I like how they explored her disability and losing her hearing and how she yeah. spoke about being afraid 
she's not afraid of losing her hearing, but she's just afraid of not being able to be a, a singer the way she yeah. was, you know, like she's afraid of, of she, she doesn't, she has to adjust to having people sing her music now instead of being singing her music herself. And mm-hmm. I think that was, I think that's, uh, I think that's something they did really, really well was showing how like, they're not talking about dis- her disability as being this terrible thing to happen to her. They're just like, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a fact of life. She's going there and she knows she's going to eventually may eventually lose all of her hearing. And that's treated very matter of factly. But they were saying, but this is how it's going to affect her professional life and her personal mm-hmm. life. Singing for her is an emotional outlet. And she's like, I love singing and I love writing music and I love producing music, but it does hurt that not other people are singing my words, you know? And she, mm-hmm. that's something. And I just wish we had a bit more discussion about that. Yeah. Know, like, like, I wish we got to see her talk a bit about that, but more. And also they have, we got to see more of their daughter who, um, is Amara, Amara, who is played by Mila Davis, Ken, who is deaf in real life. So they had mm-hmm. a child played by a deaf uh, female actress, which I think is amazing. And I think that was really so good. We're getting to see more of that. And I'm actually just, because, you know, the Creed front, the, the new Creed series is created by Brian Coogler. And I love that mm-hmm. he introduced that from the very beginning, that we're going to have a disabled character. And she's going to be a little black girl who is deaf. And I love that we are getting more explorations of her now. And that is hinted at that we maybe in the next film we'll get to see teenage Amara learning to box from her father. Because in the show, in Creed 3, we see that she has an interest in boxing. She wants to learn to box. And, we, and that she's also learning how to defend herself. Mm-hmm. And, and Adonis is like, listen, if people can pick on my child, like, she got to learn how to defend herself. And I'm like, yeah, bullies need to get punched, point blank. I know, like, people might not agree that, but me, I'm like, I mean, to get punched. Billy's bully, I agree, because first of all, it's like, and he's looking at it from a very, from a, like, I want to give my child the tools to defend herself, and I know she's safe when I can't protect her, which I think is a very black parent response. Whereas, like, Beyonce also has the other response of just like, I don't want her to go to violence first. Yeah, but what but is she supposed to do? Stop talking, talking will only get you so far. Like, you can't <laughs> fix things with a bully sometimes. I, honestly, I had like, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but I used to be bullied in school, and that's where I, I can develop what I call my three strikes rule. I will mm-hmm. tell you to stop harassing me three times. If yep. on the third time and you have not stopped, all bets are often going to go and start to throw hands. That's if you can't throw hands, I will throw shoes. I will throw books. I will throw legit. I, I'm sure I'm small. I know my limitations. I will take whatever up. I I'm in true. Yeah, and I think it's I think that whole scene was meant to like show that the different differing parent styles yeah. and like how they view it all. But I do like that their bond that the whole bonding moment between him and Amara was mm-hmm. very cute. Like him showing her like the movements on how to punch and like how she should breathe and how she should position herself. And it's like it just feels their relationship felt very natural. Yes. And I like that. And I also like that it's not like it could have been so easy to make um Tessa Thompson's character just like such a discarded thing mm-hmm. but it, I think showing how her prog- the progression of her disability and how it's affected her from her in her career where it's like no I'm still creating music I'm still creating sounds um, I can't perform on stage anymore and right. I think that's that was important for her to like have that I just feel like she had more agency yeah and I like that and I mean not to say that she hasn't had agency in the previous films I just think in films like this um, and I know Cinderella Man is so old, but I'm just trying to think of other boxing films. I know that's a that's a deep cut. I can't. 
I guess like a- even Adrian in the Rocky movies, like she it's was a motive. So she was all she was just like, thank you, Adrian. Adrian. Like she was a motivation for Rocky, and like and like that felt like it. And mm-hmm. I feel like I like the fact that um, Mila's character is more so like she has her own journey too. Yeah, I don't think we always get that when it comes to sports films, sports dramas, or like you know things like this when we're talking about the main character and it's not that the movie's about her but i do like the fact that she wasn't just treated as a prop and i i applaud the film for going the level there but i i did like the whole message of just like it's not i just because i'm a woman like essentially that's what i felt when she said this like just because i'm a woman doesn't mean this is easy for me i have to figure out how to talk about my feelings too and i'm like yeah no talking about feelings expressing things that that are wrong not i feel like women and men handle them differently but that doesn't mean we're more equipped to handle with our handle with our mental shit than y'all exactly. like we have and to that, do the work and that women that we're gonna don't ain't gonna get physical when they get bullied too which i think right. is what we're trying to show with um amara where like because and I, I think another thing that um that bianca had to come to the realization the reason that adonis was so willing and so immediately thought about helping Amara learn to physically defend herself against physical attacks because that little boy wasn't only just saying hurtful things he was throwing things at her come yeah. on uh was because of his own upbringing you're right you know like mm-hmm. I think I think um Bianca she forgot where Adonis came from you know she forgot yeah. his background she didn't know everything but I think she still forgot that he came from a, a pretty rough childhood and so his first instinct is going to physically protect himself he's especially, a that's that's his thing so yeah but especially like when you couple movie. in the abuse too when we because exactly. we didn't like we didn't know that he was abused we just knew he was in a group home but like yeah. this film shows that like he went through some serious abusive um behavior with his foster father yeah. or whoever like i don't know if he, yeah foster it father, foster father yeah. and the group home and um it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, because of your anger, do you realize you could have ended up where Dame was and Dame could have been where you were? Mm-hmm. And I think even the film just does a really great job with like does. with with this perspective, with that whole thing. And then also the final fight with like when we see the few rounds of them fighting, but like that final round is just silence. Oh, I mean, Kramer called it the void fight. He said that's what they refer yes, to. Yes, I like, love that. Because it's like they both cut out everything, the noise. Mm-hmm. And it's like you see that they're both are fighting something different. Dame is fighting his past and being stuck behind bars. And um, Adonis is fighting for like his legacy and to like keep keep everything that he's worked for. Mm-hmm. But like there was a small part of me who felt like if Adonis lost, I think he should have still felt like he has his legacy. But that's not how things work in the boxing, um, you know, that whole in boxing films. But, but sorry, go I ahead. Think, I no, I, I agree because I was I when I was watching the film, I had the same thought. Like, what if he loses? But even though he loses, he he realized he knows his legacy and still intact because he's done. He's paid his dues. He's proved himself time and time and time again. Like mm-hmm. his, if he gets beat by by Dame, it's not that his legacy is lost. But then I, I have the thought, well, as because this this fight last fight sequence lasted pretty long. It was a pretty lengthy yeah. I also had the thought like, nah, Dame gotta get his ass handed to him. Cause you can't do because he was disrespectful. Definitely. He was disrespectful as hell. Because yeah, just said, oh, principle alone, you're obviously getting whooping. <laughs> mm-hmm. You deserved every bit of that. But yeah, and I oh I will say this. It's not that Rocky not being there was weird. 
but it was kind of weird in the moments where like you could tell that he needed a mentor to talk to and i feel like they should have made the manager of the gym what was his name i'm uh, looking at because i'm terrible the actor's name is wood harris but i'm yes wood harris character tony little dude right. tony thank you they sh- that was the moment that Tony's character could have transformed into more of a mentor. But yeah. my, you saw how Adonis don't listen to him. He don't listen to that man at all. Man, I told you. Right. And he. I just wish that, like, his character, like, I think he was phenomenal, but I really feel like that, that, what I would like to see is that he goes into that more seasoned role and is, like, the, the voice of reasoning to Creed, where it's like, you can come to me when you got, you know, things on your mind to talk about. And I will tell it. I will tell it to you straight. I'm not gonna hold back. Mm. Like I feel like he would have been the perfect person to step into Rocky's role as that I for him. So I think so too. I'm wondering if maybe there were scenes like that, and they just have to cut it for time because the film is pretty lengthy. The film is almost three hours long. So I'm wondering if they probably did have scenes like that and they had to cut them because of time and stuff. Um, I but think that, so. that's a, but that's another thing I love about the film um, is Wood Harris. Like Wood Harris is like one of my favorite actors from like the '90s. And mm-hmm. this franchise has just put him back in the limelight again. And I'm just like so happy that he's, I'm just like, oh, what you're back. And like, he's so great as this character, Tony, because like he goes toe to toe with Michael and like, like they just mm-hmm. go toe to toe in the scenes. And like, he is like the voice of reasons for the whole film. And he's also, like I just said, like the mentor, but I don't think he's only the mentor for, for Adonis. I think he's like, if you look at it in a way, like the things he says applies to all of the characters. Like when he tells him, let go of what was and step into what is mm. applies to all the characters because like, if you look at Bianca like he's like, is that could go for her too let go of what was which is like your singing career and step into what will be which is your future career as a writer and producer and even for little Amara like she want to be a fighter and like I if they do another film as I said I can see the third the next film being a jump forward in time um and it's her her in teenage years looking training to become a boxer and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff it's like a set a time with her set in school and training to be a boxer that would be it'll really- be interesting for sure i think it's like and i think they're gonna do it because you know they're doing a comic book series uh with latoya mm-hmm. jackson who also i joined a blank on the name of the comic but we reviewed her comics for for so here's what happened before and i'll post those in the show links but she's writing um the comic of pre three and it's gonna be about Amara so I, if they mm-hmm. turn that comic into a film I can't wait for that to happen they've hinted they've hinted at a lot of things like I think um basically calling it the Creed verse but mm-hmm. the comic book possibly an anime series of um, Drago as a spin-off movie um like that because like he's a very likable actor and he actually has potential and I liked his dynamic with with Adonis like they have a really they fun- have a good rival but like friendship um like whole thing going on and if it's like i think i do think there's i do think there's good potential with the creed verse i'm definitely interested to see how things would go i think part of me feels like i would be interested in a series versus a film with a with amara and part and i think a lot of that is due to the fact that like i don't know if you could do everything in a film with Mm -hmm. like you like i guess it depends on how they're going to tell the story because i a mini I, series like a limited mini series yeah a limited mer- mini series and it's like not that i don't think a film couldn't be successful but when we talk about like boxing films and the boxing industry there's we really haven't seen anything from like the female box except for like million dollar baby so i would just be interested i i would take either one but i think a a mini series like a limited series will be interesting to see how we could see her as an a, like growing up teenager into it 
but I want to see her flushed out as a, I think it's because I want to see her flushed out as a character. And I don't know if you can do that in a film. I agree with you. Because thinking about it, you mentioned Million Dollar Baby, but also we haven't had a female, a sports-centered female story in a since while. Pitch was canceled. Mm-hmm. Pitch and even King Richard wasn't necessarily focused on the um Williams sisters. They're, they're it's right. about them, the but it's about the dad. So mm-hmm. it's like there's definitely been female sports-centered films, but like we have never seen, and I'm like, part of me is like, I just don't want y'all. I, I feel like the mass audiences will, will feel like mm, female boxing not as intense, not not good enough. And I would rather like, I want it, I want it to prove y'all wrong. Yeah, I, I, think and, was, I think it could do that, and it would be another great opportunity to to get to learn more about Bianca and that kind of stuff. And if anyone says that female boxers is a more um, intense, fun fact: Michael's training, Michael's trainer for this film is a woman. The woman, mm-hmm. you know, in the training montage, the white yep. woman that does a, that does the spark, that's his trainer. That's yep. his trainer in real life for the film. So, like, don't become talking about what women don't know what they're doing because his trainer for this film was a woman. Exactly. So, I think there's a lot of great potential. So, we'll just have to wait and see what actually comes about. Um, but I, w- I would like to see Amara, like the young actress, like definitely take up the role again. So, <laughs> we shall see. But with that, um, Let's go ahead and wrap things up. And I guess as usual, y'all can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Nisha Plays. That's at N-E-Y-S-H-A-P-L-A-Y-S. I promise I'm trying to be more active on on Twitter, but like I I stopped being on there for a while just because I felt I realized my my scalp felt moisturized. (laughs) I wasn't yelling at people. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I'm I'm on the socials. Y'all can follow me, talk to me, and me and Carolyn. So Carolyn, tell them where you are at. You, I'm gonna make my spiel very short this time. Just go to my Twitter, Instagram, and my new TikTok with the same hashtag, um, same handle at Carolyn. It's not that C R I E C N H. Well, my you you can go to my R three page. That's a u t h o r y dot com slash Carolyn Hines. That's H I N D as in David S. And you can find links to all of my writing to my YouTube channel, to the podcast. So you can find like sister. Here's what happened. Karen and Toss, I'm beyond the romance. Um, my Asian drama podcast, which is temporarily on hiatus, but I will come back at the end of April, possibly. I have a surprise for you. I might not be in Canada when we record for our next episode. Hey. Hey, so look out for that. So until the next episode of So Here's What Happened, everyone, stay safe. Bye. Bye. Bye.